that's what I am. Wow. That's amazing. Is that not amazing? That's better the second time, man. Someone's got to hear it twice. It's incredible. We're in this series called One by One. Here's the thought. If you're not a Christ follower, what I want you to consider is this. Um, If you're not a Christ follower, I want you to consider is this. That God's love is personal. That it's not generic. That, That you hear all this stuff on TV and you hear pastors say, go reach the world. But God wants to reach the world one person at a time. God's very individual when it comes to faith. And the Bible's written as if you were the only person that ever lived. That's the way the Bible's written. So know that about him. If you are a Christ follower, you've probably heard so many times, go reach the world and, and you know, hear me say it or other pastors, songs, whatever. It feels overwhelming. But I want you to know that we, we've just said, listen, let's individualize this thing. Because generically we can pass by, generically we can get out of it, generically we can say it's not for me. But when it's personalized, when it's one by one, when it's one person influencing another person exactly what God had in mind, then we can be engaged. Today, how many people, you understand this, you felt overlooked before, passed over? Maybe a promotion, maybe a school you wish you'd have got in, maybe a spouse. Don't raise your hands if a spouse <laughs> If she has LASIK surgery, she's gone, you know. But, but how many people have ever felt overlooked? Passover, show of hands. Yeah, we've all felt there. We've all been there. Mine began in high school. I was overlooked. Check this out. I was overlooked for best-looking guy in my school. That hurts my feelings. But you would laugh at that. My mom thought I was a shoe-in. She thought I would win, you know. I guess only she thought that. Then I was passed over same year, same time. I did not get most likely to succeed. Can you believe that? I didn't get that most likely to succeed. I did get to offer the prayer at the graduation slash sermon. From that moment on, you had to turn in your invocation to the school administration to be approved because of what I said. But I just told them about Jesus in my prayer, like like many politicians do. You know, they say what they want to say in their prayer. And uh, I was sitting on the row with all, you know, the valedictorian, salutatorian, and or however you say that, and they look, they all look down at me, and they're like, "What are you doing up here? What are you up here with us for?" And I was like, "Suckers, you know what I mean? You're not the only one that could be on the front row. I didn't have as many ribbons as them, but who cares? I was there, right? We've most of us have, have felt overlooked. I did win most masculine, you know. What does that mean? Most likely to have unwanted hair, whatever. You know, I got most masculine in my school. If you knew the backstory, it was because I did a pose down." In front of eight other, with eight, against eight other classmates. I'm talking bodybuilding pose down, my shirt off. Now, I, I just, I came out of the crowds with them chanting my name through my shirt in the crowd. I thought I was big time. You probably cannot believe that. Um, but there was a time that I would take my shirt off in public and not hide and not want my picture made. You know, I mean, there was a time for that. But I think that's why I won. Either way, it was kind of awkward to just, you know, less likely to be able to pick up heavy stuff. I don't know what it meant, but I won it, right? It didn't stop with high school. As I, wanted, as I wanted to go in the ministry, I tried out for a church called Unity Baptist. My wife's going to cringe when I say it. My mom's here. She's probably going to be like, ooh, they probably remember that experience. All the leadership told me I was going to get this church. All the leadership. You're going to win this. You're going to get this vote. And all you have to do is speak, and then, t- and then we'll ask you questions. Well, during the questions, they were, and now my wife wasn't my wife at the time. Uh, we were working towards that. But they really attacked her. The moderator, nobody would stand up for her, so I I just did what I do, and I just kind of stepped in front of her. I said, listen, you're not going to attack her this way. 
If you want to reach the city, vote for me as your pastor. If you don't, then don't. And, of course, they didn't, you know. (laughs) They were all glad. I was disappointed. Another time that really hurt me being passed over personally in the ministry was my mentor, whom I hope you get to meet in November. He was going to start a church through his church. And he told me, you're the guy. We want want to get someone. I, I didn't hear the someone. I heard we're going to get you, right? And I don't think he worded it the right way either, but I thought, man, you know, they're, they're going to start a church. They want to, you know, they want me to do it. I was married to Crystal at the time, and or, or we were engaged or whatever the case may be. But this is awesome. We get to go out of this church. We love that church, the church she grew up in. And they announced this Sunday, hey, this Sunday we're going to introduce to you the, the pastor of this new church. And I'm thinking, oh, here it comes, you know, Chad Curran. And Chad walks out. I was so disappointed, so angry. And uh, it took me some time to work through that with my mentor. We worked it, through it together, and it was so disappointing. But where do you go when you feel like God's passed over you? Where do you go when you lose faith? Many people have written off Jesus Christ. Some of you today, you've written off Jesus Christ and checking him out because you felt or maybe rationalized he's overlooked you. And I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you, and you don't have to agree with me. I just want to ask you to hit restart on that belief. That God has passed over. Just say, I'm willing. You just put your hand a, a, a mo, emotional uh, on your emotional computer, on your emotional keyboard, on your spiritual keyboard. Just hit restart and see if maybe God has something that, that, to say that you missed. Maybe you're here and you have believed it on Jesus Christ. At some intersection, though, it's so easy to do. You have been placed on a treadmill of performance that you have to earn God's favor, that you're not good enough that you've done something somehow that God can't forgive you for or that's going to just sideline you. If you're breathing, everybody breathe in, breathe out. God can use you. God is God loves you. And I, and I hope that you'll, you'll catch a glimpse of that today. Look at me. Look with me. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Look with me. <laughs> look at me. Quit looking at your floor, uh, the floor. Um, Luke chapter 8. Let's look at this together. Great story. Luke chapter 8, once again, a story I've never spoken on at LifePoint Church in the past four years. Look at verse 41. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with them. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with them, he was surrounded by the crowds. I mean, this is the guy that we would say... Yes, God cares about him. He is a synagogue leader. It would be like a church leader. It would be some upstanding citizen in the the political world that goes to church. Yes, God cares about him. Yes, God notices him. Oh, your daughter is sick, then I will come and heal your daughter. And so Jesus is going, and it just makes sense. This is what we think. But then the story begins to take a twist. A woman in the crowd, verse 43 had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She hemorrhaged, and she could find no cure. Another version says this. She had spent all she had on doctors. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Pete said, Master, this whole crowd's pressing up against you. Yeah, hey, hey, okay, who goosed the Messiah, who tugged on his tug? Seriously, Jesus, really? I mean, there's like all these people around you. 
But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And this power surge. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and, to fell, and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him that she had been, and that she had been immediately healed. I mean, your worst fear comes to pass. She has to explain in front of everybody why she touched Christ. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. If you have felt overlooked, this is going to seem simple. There was all these statements I had, and I was trying to put all, you know, like, and there's some statements that are going to come out in other messages. There's things that I wanted to say that was different and maybe a little more catchy and something kind of cute or whatever. But this is what I, this is what hit me with this. It is so simple. It is so unbelievable. I want you to see this statement. I don't want you to write it off, but look at this with me. Jesus notices, period, Jesus cares. Jesus notices, Jesus cares. I want you to say it with me. Say it with me. Jesus notices, Jesus cares. Now, let's say it almost like the coffee's kicked in, the donut's working. Say it with me. Jesus notices, Jesus cares. This is the heart of the over the message. Jesus notices, Jesus cares. Jesus notices. We expect him to notice this Jairus guy, but not a woman that, that, that nobody else wants to talk to. We don't expect important rabbi, I'm talking to the Lord Jesus Christ, to make a big deal about some unknown woman who touches his robe in a crowd of people that no one even pays any attention to her. Now, you have to know, with this woman, this is a big story. That we read stuff like this, and I remember certain things like from Sunday school as a little kid, these little felt things, and, you know, touching his robe. And there's guys on TV late at night that have tried to do the same thing, like, I'm going to pray over this cloth, and I'm going to send it to you, you wear it around like, you know, you know, the karate kid and God's going to bless and heal you and all this kind of weird stuff. All this crazy stuff that kind of covers this story. But this, this is very important. This lady had several things working against her. Number one, she was probably divorced. You have to understand divorce in this culture, man. It's not like today. It's not like where they hunt you down, deadbeat dad, or you got to pay through the courts. If a guy found out his wife was sick with this, he could take her to court stand before a judge, quote some Bible verses from the Old Testament, and that judge would grant him a divorce. He wouldn't have to pay her doctor bills. He wouldn't have to help her find a house. I mean, they could have been married 25 years. They could have had five kids together. He wouldn't have had to pay her bills. I'm talking he had the money, not, not that he didn't have the money and he was a beggar and all this kind of stuff. He had the money. He wouldn't have to touch, touch her, uh, her debt He wouldn't have to pay her bills, help her find a place to live. He could leave her on the street to die and go marry another person or go date another person. And and in this culture, they would think he was a stud, he was righteous, he was cool. That should have happened. On top of that, in this culture at this time, because she was sick, everybody around her that was religious would look at her and say, God's mad at her. God has cursed her. She has done something to cause her husband to leave her and for God to make her sick. She is cursed by God. That's what this culture believes. So this woman's story is very, very important. 
Because God noticed her. The Lord Jesus Christ noticed her. I mean, when she touched his garment, like the lights go down, his spirit just, life was released from, from his person, from his spirit, and, and healed her. And as much as we hope God notices, God does notice. But here's what God notices. God notices faith. God doesn't notice religion. God could care less about religion. God could care less about rituals. God could care less about ceremonies other than the Lord's Supper. We'll talk about that another day. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about, you know, whether you do all this or whether you do karate or Wing Chun. Or, he doesn't care about that stuff. He cares about faith. There's all these religious people around. Everybody's going, Jesus, 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 I'm your biggest fan. You know, sign my toga. I'm your biggest fan. Look, I got the fish sign tattoo already. Look, I, I'm a follower, man. Jesus overlooked them and, and saw this woman, this woman who struggles just like we struggle. He noticed her. No, I want you to get this, man. Faith is what impresses God. Not calling down thunder, but you believing enough of what God says to take him at his word. You know, I was thinking about this as, as I worked on the message. I thought about who Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead. Now, I'm Jesus. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, do some Superman stuff. I'm going to do some hovercraft karate in the crowds. I'm going to take the, the temple leaders, and I'm going to be like, like Darth Vader, bang their heads together. I'm going to do some stuff if I've risen from the dead. I'm going to appear to the crowds. I'm going to create a TV, and they've never seen a TV, and be like, I told you so, and then boop, make it disappear. I'm going to do some stuff. I am going to show them that I'm alive. But Jesus didn't do that. Have you ever noticed that? He only appeared to like 500 people or less. From those 500 people, 120 of them started the church. But you know what about those people? Those people believed in God. They believed on God. They said, you are the Messiah, Jesus. We believe you. You've confirmed it. We trust you. He hung out with them. He didn't care about He didn't care about impressing people. He didn't care about, you know, all these things of, of God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you try to care about magic tricks or, or, or hurting those who had hurt him? He didn't care about any of that. He showed up at the people's houses that had faith. Didn't matter what they looked like. Didn't matter their social status. This lady struggled like we struggle with, with, with that whole peace that God notices. From, from the beginning of time, the enemy has whispered in the human being's ear, God has overlooked you. God has passed over you. God doesn't know your name. God has backburnered your life. You, you have gone too far. God is holding out on you. And so man looked at that and said, man, maybe God has held out on us. Let's do our thing and let's see what happens. They did their thing. And then from then on, we've all been hoping that God wouldn't notice. But the amazing piece is God did notice. And not in condemnation, but he noticed. And he set up this ritualistic system that would point to the day that he would step physically in the story and make a difference personally. So every time you see those bloody stories from the Old Testament, it was God saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference personally one day. This is to remind you that I've noticed. All those laws that they could not keep that frustrated them was a reminder that said, listen, it's not about condemnation. It's about me noticing you. 
You're under condemnation because of sin. I'm under condemnation because of sin. But God still values us. God still takes notice. And, and, and this lady didn't even realize all these things she had heard taught in church. Here was the personification in the synagogue, rather. Here he stood in front of her. God notices. God notices our condition. He, he, notices what we, he notices what we think he misses. Like, oh, God, I prayed about this, and you, know, and, and you missed it. He didn't miss it. He says he bottles our tears. He cares about every prayer. And he doesn't always answer them the way they want, but he notices. He, he listens. He notices. God truly notices where you and I are at. We, you know, this lady is no different than us, man. She struggled. But I want you to know this. God notices faith. If you're here today, not a Christ follower, you're seeking God, and you've got these real hard questions that just don't add up. You know, why do kids starve, and why is the world a mess, and why did God let things happen? I want you to know that God is paying attention today. Because if you have enough faith to step in a place like LifePoint and ask those questions, man, it's, it means you're on a journey. And this is a safe place to ask those questions, by the way. If you have a question for God, if you bring that to God, God notices because of the faith that's behind it. And he loves you. And he cares. He deeply cares. God notices. The question, the belief enough to take a risk, the belief enough where you don't even feel it, but you take a step of faith. God notices, Jesus notices, and Jesus cares. Care for God is not like us, like this feeling of empathy. I know I'm the only one that does this. I'm watching TV late at night. I'm trying to detox from the day. The kids are in bed. Crystal's asleep on the couch. I'm watching TV. It's a Duke marathon. It's a blow them up shoot them up movie, which for some reason just makes me relax when stuff blows up. It just feels like boom, 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 right? just fun. How many people are like me, though, when that Feed the Hungry commercial comes on? How many people watch that for 15 minutes? You watch that commercial. How many people click it? Click it off. Yeah. Man, while we're being honest, how many, how many people eat McDonald's? Does anybody besides me eat McDonald's? All right, man. Nice. Thank you for being honest. Sorry to all you foodies. How many people like juicing? Okay, God bless you, too, man. It's awesome. Yeah, good, good. Good for you, man. We know, we've already said forget our 90s if we're eating McDonald's. Okay, you live, you know, you juice, keep juicing. We said forget our 90s. God notices, God cares. God, God in his empathy doesn't change the channel. God steps into the story. He steps into the middle. He takes notice. He takes action. Jesus stopping in the middle of a crowd to give life to a person that, 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 that who's everyone else overlooks says one thing, God notices and God cares. Everyone has overlooked this lady. Everyone has, has passed on her. Everyone has just said forget her, but not Jesus. I believe everyone's journey intersects with Christ in a major way at some point. I don't think it's always dramatic. I don't think it has to be dramatic. But I think God in every, in every person's life at some point intersects their life with the revelation that they need something more, and that something more is this pulsating desire to be connected to the creator of the universe. They may not know his name. They may not, I mean, a, a tribe, God has not left himself without a witness. The sunrise says there's something more than you. The sunrise says God cares enough to remind you and I that he, we need him. So, so God intersects lives, and we have this innate, 
we got this innate avoidance to him. It's because of sin, but it goes a little further than this. And this lady's life really, really shows it well. It's the fear of exposure. We are afraid of being exposed. We are, you know, check, I mean, look at this with me. She was already healed. She had already been saved and healed. She had already been, been touched by Christ, but she was still afraid of being exposed. Fear, fear of being found out. Oh, my God. I mean, and it looks like this, this old school view that we have of God, that God's going to point her out and shame her, and then everybody else in the crowd will get saved, or everybody in the crowd will say, now, see this lady right here? Now, now you don't want to be like this lady. No, we don't want to be like her, man. God forgives. We don't, we don't want to be the original. Isn't that, isn't that what we do? It's exactly what we do in church. We do the same thing. We don't wear togas anymore. We don't ride chariots. We ride segways. We have cars now. But man's condition is the same. Sinner that needs Christ. And nobody likes being exposed. I mean, her finances were exposed. Her illness, you know, something's wrong with her. But she's cursed. I mean, she, there's something wrong with her. She's sick. Her background, her backstory, it's all revealed. I think that's why Jesus didn't name her in this story. Most of us are the same way. If they knew my backstory, if they if they knew the, my background, if they knew. So we live these lives, and we are trying our best at LifePoint to create the safe haven to be where you're at and seek God where you're at and it be okay. But you can come in, you can be wherever you're at in your life. And I hear people want to travel, man, get to travel this week, stopped and got gas on our way back. A guy that I've known for years, man. He's like, I've been out of church for a year, a year, Jamie. And no offense to you. And he goes and lists. And I thought, oh, if you could just check out LifePoint. Because everything that he hates about the church, LifePoint has purposefully tried to remove from our experience. Now, if they knew my background, God and his love is greater than your avoidance. And his ability trumps your background and your backstory. And your backstory. His, his ability, his care trumps your ego. Some people, it's not because you're super, you know, this lady wasn't proud, like, don't pick me. She was ashamed. She did not want to be pointed out in front of a crowd. She was not ashamed of God. She was ashamed of herself. But God exposed her to show her value. I mean, check this out. It is amazing. Verse 48, daughter. I mean, everybody else is looking to say, why is he talking to her? Why is he noticing her? She's not a religious person. I mean, all the Pharisees are over there like, man, what is going on over there? He says, daughter. He says, daughter, because faith is what makes the connection. Faith in Christ is what makes the connection to God the Father. Hey, daughter, check this out with me. Hey, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I mean, she's thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going he's gonna to point me out. He's going to be the revival story. I'm going to be that teenager. I'm going to be that visitor that comes in the service like I was a visitor. And a pastor pointed me out and what I had on. And if I had not been a Christ follower, i got to be honest with you. If I had not been a Christ follower, I would have said forget Jesus Christ if that's what this is about. I thankfully was a Christ follower. Here it comes. Here comes the big wham. Here comes the big hammer. Here comes the big fist that God's going to smack her with. It's his daughter. Your faith has made you well. You're my daughter. You are a daughter of the king. I mean, everybody else is looking at you. 
They're judging you. They're saying she's cursed of God. She's probably been divorced because she's in this situation. She's spent it out. She's spun out. She's got this background, this backstory. She had all this stuff heaped on her. And she's just trying to crawl to the top of the hole. And she just can't get out. And everybody's looking at her. Everybody is overlooking her. But when they do look at her, all the fingers are going to point. He says, all you people around here, I want you to know something. She has incredible value to me. She has incredible worth. She has an incredible story. And this is what I want for your life. I want faith like you. she had. She had enough faith to just come and touch my toga. She's healed. I want you to have faith like her. Honey, go in peace. You, you go in peace. You go with God's spirit. You go, with, you go in peace. God notices. God cares. She thought it was going to be embarrassment central. Oh, it's going to be shame city. But it was God's blessing in her life. I wonder, I wonder if you stopped believing in a moment, if you just stopped believing you were overlooked, if you just stopped saying to yourself, I am worthless, I am valueless, and you say, listen, God, I don't understand it, but, but I am just like this lady, and I'm going to take you at your word. I wonder if, if you would just stop thinking you're overlooked because you didn't get the job, you didn't get the promotion, and God didn't heal your wife, or God didn't heal your kids, or whatever. I wonder if you would just stop translating that as no value in God's eyes and lay that down and just see for a moment that Jesus notices and Jesus cares. I wonder if you are a Christ follower. I wonder if you would let one by one, one be one, let this thing sink into your soul and quit making excuses, quit spiritualizing. I mean, they were spiritualizing. They were, I mean, they were the masters at it. And Jesus said, hey, whatever, your faith has made you whole. I wonder if you would stop quoting verses. I wonder if you would stop making excuses. I wonder if you would just notice the people around you, the opportunities around you. And they won't always be grandos, they won't always be stories, they won't always be things you put on YouTube. It'll just be God noticing you, and because he's noticed you and has value on you, you'll notice others. Chris and I flew out of Atlanta last night to come home. We got on the plane, there was two open seats. Actually, we were flying out of Florida. Two open seats in the bulkhead. I asked, this, I asked the flight attendant, can we have those seats? Nobody else gets on. So we get on. We think the door's closed. Here comes one guy. Sharp-looking guy. 30 years old. Drunk as a skunk. You know what I mean? Like I'd been drinking since 7 a.m. And sometimes overlooked people are not overlooked people. You know what I mean? So he gets on the plane. He stumbles around. He said, I think you guys are going to say, hey, man, we'll get out of here. No, 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 no. You stay there. You love on her. If I'm ever on a plane with my fiance, you give me your seat. And he starts to jabber and he sits down. He starts to sit down by this lady who doesn't want him to sit there. She's giving him dirty looks. She's probably in her 70s. Uh, and he gets back up and he goes, you need to cheer up. You're hateful. You cheer up. You're just saying everything you'd love to say to people, you know. Awesome. I love it. I'm cracking. Dude, I am laughing so hard. The lady behind me is scared to death because she sits, he sat behind her. She calls the flight attendant over there, you know, who she's more masculine than. <laughs> okay, I'll take care of it, you know. It's like, okay, it's real awkward, and I'm not going to take care of it. It's just this awkward situation. 
But Chris and I thought, man, this is so sad. He sleeps the whole flight, face in his hands in his face. Doesn't wake up after we taxi. I mean, none of that. Gone. Everybody's getting off the plane, the taxi, he wakes up. I know that I couldn't maybe lead him to Christ. I didn't, you know, he's, I mean, he's pretty inebriated. I didn't want to make a big scene. But for the life of me, I could not overlook this guy. Everybody on the plane, and we, we talked about this, Chris and I, they were overlooking him. They didn't want to notice him. They didn't want to talk to him. They didn't want to talk about him. They were so afraid he was going to say something like he said to the lady, which was hilarious. I was hoping he'd keep going. It was awesome. You know, he's saying everything you ever want to say to people that get on your nerves. You know, he's just like, hey, you know, you need to cheer up. Quit being so hateful, you know, that kind of stuff. He's in line to get his ticket for a connecting flight. And it could have been that he was afraid to fly. We didn't know why he was inebriated. But we both felt like he was broken. And so I slipped up to him with my business card for the church website. I said, hey, man. If you're ever in Louisville, Kentucky, love to buy your lunch. Here's, a, here's my card. Love for you to click on our website. Check out a podcast. Hit me up on Facebook. And it's only an inebriated, appreciative person can do. He saw that I was a pastor, and he said, thanks, man. But he read, then he read the card. Hey, God bless. Shalom. Uh He's trying to find some kind of religious connection, you know. God bless you, man. I knew you had good karma. I knew it, man. I knew you had good karma. So see you, buddy. Give me a call. Hit me up on Facebook. There's people all around us that just need to be noticed. And here's here's what I've observed. If you are a person that continually is overlooked... If you will give that hurt to Christ, return to him and begin to notice other people that are like you, your life will have so much meaning. Let's pray together. Are you here today? Just wonder, man. You know, I can't really see all the faces. I mean, there's glimpses and shadows. So I don't know who's here, really. And even if I did know every face, that doesn't tell the whole story. That doesn't tell your condition with God. There's no sign on your forehead. There's no, I can't put my finger on your jugular and be like, hey, this guy's a believer. I wonder if you're here today, though. You've lived your whole life overlooked. You've pressed back on God, and for some crazy reason, maybe several weeks you've even been coming or months, you are just here, and you don't even know why, and it doesn't even make sense, and you don't even believe a lot of this, and, and you don't, you're just pushing back. But, but God just seems to be drawing you, and it's really awkward, and today the lights just came on you realize that you're in need of Jesus Christ. You realize, hey, there's something missing. That something is someone. It is Jesus Christ. And I wonder, in the quietness of this moment, if you will excuse 
anything that was offensive. I wonder if you'll excuse the environment that you're not used to. I wonder if you'll excuse that it may be not like church past or, or your irreligious past. I wonder if you'll just lay all that aside. And in the quietness of this moment, respond to Jesus Christ. The one who notices and the one who cares. And if that's you, just where you're seated, I wonder if you would say this to him. Jesus, I realize you care about me. And I believe that you died and rose again for me. And I invite you into my heart and my life to be my Savior, to be my God. And before you close that prayer of faith, I I just want you to say this to him. Say, thank you for not overlooking me. Tell Jesus, say, thank you for valuing me. And then just say, Jesus, I, I pray and say this to you in your name. Amen. With our heads bowed.